Thanks for joining us this week for Chalk Talk EDU. We're an off-duty teacher and academic aimed to tackle tough topics over coffee and humor. My name's Alyssa, a former teacher and now academic. And my name is Kimmy. I am currently a teacher. Today's episode is focused on tips for the start of the school year. Let's start off with a mental health check-in. So in addition to wanting to talk about tips and tricks for teaching and other teaching topics, um, we do want to acknowledge that it's important to check in on your mental health. Teacher burnout is a very real thing that a lot of people deal with. So we want to take the beginning of each episode as a chance to check in with each other. So Alyssa, how have you been doing? I'm actually kind of excited to be here after working remotely, staying home, staying safe, quarantining. This is one of the first times that I've been socially enjoying some distant conversation with you, Kimmy, and some other friends and starting to get back out there very slowly and figuring out how to maneuver through life while wearing a mask and following all the rules and procedures that we (laughs) need to figure out every day. How about you, Kimmy? Um, I agree. It's great to be able to see someone um, rather than always being on the computer screen. There's also just, you know, there's a lot going on in the world right now. There's a lot going on in our country and our society right now. And it does weigh heavily on, you know, your mental health and everything. Those are some things that we do want to tackle in an upcoming episode. We're starting here, um, but we are going to get to some of those topics soon as well and how they impact our classrooms. Um, but I've definitely been trying to step away from that a little bit and give make sure that I'm giving myself the time to enjoy something else um, that's more leisurely rather than always being on top of the news in, in that way, because that can really weigh on you. The reason that we wanted to have this conversation about beginning the school year is because whether you are a first-year teacher or a seasoned teacher who has been doing this for a while, standing in your classroom to get started can be really overwhelming. Um, Prioritizing can be difficult. The tasks ahead can feel really daunting, and it can be hard to kind of get your mind around it. We compiled a small list, this is definitely not comprehensive, of some tips and tricks that we think might help you from our experience of getting ready from the beginning of the school year and how to best set yourself up for success. Something that was told to me going into my first year of teaching, um, and it was told to me by a lady that I knew who um, I had actually coached her kids and she was giving me some suggestions going in, was to find a way to ground yourself in the fact that you're here for the kids. These kids are now yours, they're your students, and you're here for them. So she said, read your class list and reach out to those kids in some kind of way. My first year, I chose to send a postcard. It was just like a little welcome to my class postcard with some of my information on it, introducing myself to them. But it was a fun way to kind of make a connection with the kids, know that they're going to get it in the mail. See, now, I didn't send a postcard or emails. I actually decided to call parents, and I followed up with an email. Often when I called the parent to introduce myself, explain a little bit about my classroom, I would ask about their child, if they wanted to share anything. I always made sure to give them my email because that was my favorite way to um, go back and forth, especially because when you're teaching, it's not like you're going to pick up the phone and talk to a parent in the middle of your math lesson. Unfortunately, <laughs> our time is very limited. Sometimes they call, though. They do. It's, it is hard to make sure that you always have that open communication while managing all of your kiddos. So making sure you call, email, send the postcards, even in 
what we're in dealing with right now with the pandemic. There's so many ways to connect with the kids before school starts in different ways that we've never imagined before. Yeah, I know. Um, my first year I set up a class dojo account and my parents really liked to use that as kind of quick communication. Um, emails we had for, you know, things that were going to take a little longer or a little more explanation. Um, but they're really quick. We forgot our lunchbox at home and we're going to be late today came through class dojo and, being able to make that connection early in the year, they were able to download it and we were able to get there kind of quickly, get that open communication really fast. I agree. And I think setting up yourself with that open communication and a way for parents to contact you is the only way you're going to have great communication in January, February, March, April, when the rest of the year gets so busy and they need a way to contact you fast. Definitely. I would definitely reach out at this point when you're thinking about making contacts. Um, talk to your principal, talk to another teacher, find out if there's a messaging system or some kind of program that they use. Um, like I said, my first year, I chose to use Class Dojo. Currently, my school uses Seesaw. Um, the school that Alyssa and I were at before also used Seesaw. Um, so just kind of check in. Is there something that you use? Do you use Remind? Do you use Seesaw? If not, pick the one that you think you're going to have the most success with um, or the most mm -hmm. fun with. So Kimmy, we both came from a more special ed background, but you also taught gen ed. So I think there's different tips for special ed and gen ed teachers that can help you be successful with your caseload, your class lists. So what do you think? Can you share some tips first? So I would definitely say when you are looking at your class list and looking at your kids in the gen ed setting, you want to reach out to your case managers for any students with an IEP and get an idea of their needs in your classroom, especially as you're going to start setting up different organization um, ideas, different seating ideas, and the way your classroom is going to flow. You want to know, do you have any students who have any physical needs that you might need to account for um, or things like that? That's such a good point. So just to backtrack a little bit, Kimmy did give a little bit of an acronym and we're going to always have to catch ourselves and make sure that we're not talking too much special ed teacher slang Good here call. because we want this to be a podcast for everybody. So when Kimmy said IEP, she meant individualized education program. And some states call it other names in Pennsylvania. We call it an IEP. It's the document that shapes the child's education for students who identify with special needs in the classroom. And for something that I learned my first year is to make sure every single due date that you cannot miss is in your written planner. If you have a planner, it's in your online calendar. And then I always made it sure that it notified me a week before. So I did not miss anything because a lot of these documents that we talk about for anything special at and gen ed are all law binding documents that you cannot miss the due dates for. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, so in the difference between gen ed getting to know your kids and special ed getting to know your kids before they're in front of you um, and just trying to get that idea. I would say for special ed, read the IEPs, those individual um, education programs once through in a more general idea. Don't try to get every single detail the first time you read it. You're going to read that document over and over and over again for every single kid. So just kind of keep that in mind. Get a general idea the first time, get more information the second time, read it a third time. Um, and then, like Alyssa was saying, make a calendar of those important dates, IEPs, reevaluations, um, anything else that's going to come up for those kids. And then also put a start date. So this is something that I really have um, and kind of like Alyssa said to notify her. 
I put the actual date that the document is due. And then I put a date that I want to start that document and also a date that I want to have the actual in-person meeting scheduled by. It feels a little taxing to do it all at the beginning, but once you have that scheduled out, you're going to be able to follow up on that later and it's gonna be so much better um, and you're not missing a lot of stuff. Kimmy, I have a golden question for you. Are you ready? Sure. So something that many teachers told me to do was to go ask previous teachers about the students that you have mm. if they were moved up. All right, so <laughs> I'll, I'll start even though I asked you the question. I did ask teachers because it was always told to me like, oh, go ask so-and-so. However, I didn't take their experience as important as other people may because every child should start fresh at the beginning of the year in my opinion and every child may experience something completely different in the summer and they might come back as a different person yeah. so I think every kid needs that fresh start but knowing their background might help them how about you um so my first class I had I I have heard that suggestion I've heard that from a lot of people um, you know, to ask those prior teachers, my first class ever, I did not. I chose not to. Um, reason for that, I really didn't want any other opinions to be on my mind as I was having kids come into my room. I did have the chance to meet them before they came in, though. So that was kind of a, a cool thing that we had at that school where I was able to meet my whole class before the first day of school. But I, I didn't want the opinions of the other teachers since then, um, being that I'm now special ed case manager, learning support, so my kids are in other people's classrooms, I have asked a little more information. Um, previous case manager was able to talk to me this year, but I don't, I don't know that there's a lot of value in it. I don't know that there's a lot of value hearing from their prior teachers. I think teaching, everybody has their own teaching style and every kid responds to a teaching style differently. Definitely. And I know that my teaching style is completely different from yours, Kimmy, because we teach different age groups. We focus on different areas of life and I respect you as a teacher. However, if you told me like, oh my God, little Bobby was crazy <laughs> for me, that doesn't mean little Bobby's going to be crazy for me. Maybe he's going through a tough year. Maybe he's ready to like buckle down. I think that's also a really good point. Um, you know, I'm looking at kids transitioning from kindergarten to first grade or first grade to second grade. In reality, there's so much growth happening over the summer during that time. Mm -hmm. They're so young. Um, and just because there was a really rambunctious kindergartner doesn't mean he's going to be a really rambunctious first grader or she is going to be a really yeah. rambunctious. It, it just doesn't work that way. Maybe they finally learned where their chair was and they finally <laughs> could sit down for a lesson. Elementary as a whole is such a huge transition period and they're learning so much. So I don't, like I said, I just don't see a lot of value in asking prior teachers unless you know that you are really going to be able to keep in mind that you're going to take it with a grain of salt and you're not going to let it have any effect on building rapport with that student. I completely agree. Let's move to a little bit lighter topic about organization in general, maybe some routines, a little bit about decorations, setting <laughs> up your classroom, some of the fun stuff. All the fun. I mean, I don't find that it is as, as fun. I get a little anxiety about everything it's, looking the same. Yes, I agree. Um, I feel like this is really fun in some ways and in other ways I get exhausted and there's so much to think about. Yeah. I think it's important for even 
myself and everyone listening, your classroom does not need to look perfect. Your first, your second, your third, your 10th year, it doesn't matter as long as it's useful and practical for your kids. It doesn't matter if every poster is on the same color scheme. I mean, it looks pretty, but it's not as important as others may perceive it to be. Yeah, and just because you think it looks pretty um, and you like the color scheme and all of that, again, it looks great. Um, sometimes it can be overwhelming for kids when it, when it's all kind of perfectly orchestrated like that if the colors are too bright and things. So I don't put a lot of stock in decorating. I put more stock in organizing. Um, so what do you do to organize, Kimmy? Well, as a special ed teacher, I definitely make sure that I'm thinking about how I want to organize data collection um, and paperwork things, but also how I want to organize for groups. I have groups coming in and out. They need different materials. Um, so this year we did a bin for every group. Mm -hmm. I love bins. We were able to have their bin that had their books in it, any supplies that I needed. This was also helpful when I had an instructional assistant who needed to meet with, an, with a group and I was able to kind of slip in whatever plans they needed to do um, to reinforce anything. And they were able to take the bin to a different area of the school because we couldn't all work in my classroom at the same time. So in that special ed world, it bins are super helpful. I think in gen ed, they're super helpful too. So now you have all these bins for kiddos to work, especially with COVID and sharing supplies. There's a lot of mm -hmm. different pictures going around about how do you have all these bins and these boxes and these binders for all the kids. I will say uh, labeling everything will be your friend. Just about <laughs> to say that. Label everything in your room. It'll make everything so much easier come January. My chairs were even labeled because my chairs would disappear somehow. And then as long as my room number was on the back, I knew they somehow would get back to me. But I lost countless chairs for I have no idea why. Along with that, actually, I took stock of everything that was in my room and then quickly talked to my principal and some other teachers about if there was any extra furniture in the school. So my classroom, I currently share with another teacher. We only had one U-shaped table and then everything else was like square tables. I was able to steal a table from a classroom that didn't need it. Um, so kind of take stock of that look at what furniture you have um and if there's anything you're going to need i know it's different going in with covid we're all probably going to have desks now but thinking about that when you walk in is always useful i agree that's honestly such good advice so before we move to the next topic i think it's just really important for us to remember that anything that you do and you believe in is important and if you think it's going to work go for it there's a lot of advice out there, a lot of tips. Even if you don't agree with our tips, you don't have to take them. We mm -hmm. just want to share our advice. Maybe something will help and stick with you, just like we've had so many people tell us advice. So as we move on, just keep that in mind. Um, something else I want to add is that, you know, decorations, seating arrangements, your lessons in general, a lot of that is going to adjust and change and flow throughout the year. A lot of the organization and routines that you put in place that first week are a lot harder to change. So that's where I really focus on that because I can take down a poster and move it later in the year. I can move furniture. I actually did move furniture. I think it was the day before Christmas break. My co-teacher and I in our room, we reorganized the entire room. What we weren't really able to change a whole lot was the organization and routines of kids um, and our instructional assistants and organization with each other. So I put a lot of my focus there preparing for the year and let the decoration and stuff kind of go to the side. Oh, such a good point, Kimmy.
As you listen to our podcast, you may think we know a lot about teaching. You may think we know nothing about teaching. And I'll let you know right now, like, we're young teachers. We're still learning a lot about what's out there and what more can we learn. So something that we both struggled with our first year was a lot of pitfalls and we're not perfect. We both have struggled every single year to get started, even though, even though we follow some of these tips and tricks, you're always going to have challenges. So things that we wish we knew for sure that would 100% help you or things that we made mistakes on and we want to go back and hopefully in the future make those changes a little bit differently. I know I mentioned earlier, your classroom doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to have the most perfect bulletin boards. It's all right. I was the queen of hanging up my student work as decoration. Because <laughs> been there for sure. <laughs> because they like seeing it on the wall. And I am terrible at decorating. So it worked for me. I know that, Kimmy, you had some very different experiences than I had with mentor teachers. So if you share a little bit and then I can share my side. Yeah, definitely. So I um, so far have had three different jobs and all three have come with a different type of mentor program. So my first year, I had that more traditional mentor on that first year induction program. And honestly, something I want to say to teachers going into that traditional type of program, your mentor as phenomenal as they are as a teacher and a human, may not be your best resource in your school. For example, I was a second grade teacher. My mentor was a fourth grade teacher on the other side of the building. She was my mentor because it was her year to be the mentor for the first first teacher. And she was great. I learned a lot from her, but when it came to day-to-day routines or curriculum I was teaching, my grade partner was a much better resource for me. Um, Similar to this year, my mentor didn't work in my building. She was a district-level teacher um, who was there to mentor new teachers. She had a lot of us to mentor. And again, not really my best resource in special ed. Lucky for me, my former case manager Um, for my position was in my building still, just in a different position. And she was a great mentor. So it's okay Mm -hmm. to seek out that different person, someone who's more related Mm -hmm. to what you're teaching. You might even find that the mentor they give you, just because they're assigned to you doesn't mean that you can't seek out others. Like Kimmy said, I have had a completely different experience. My mentor teacher, my first year of teaching was an absolute amazing resource to me. She knew some of my kids beforehand and of course, like I said before, I listened to what she had to say and I learned the, learned about my kids on my own through just talking to them and building rapport. However, she was always there if I needed something, if I can call her or text her throughout the day to get something or even when I was just first working on lesson plans and figuring out the structure of the building. Yeah. Just all those procedural questions that you have so many, who, who can you go to? And I could definitely relate. So um, Alyssa's first year of teaching was my first year at that same school as her. Um, but it was my second year of teaching. So we definitely have those two years in common. We were at the same school and that program for mentoring was very different and it was structured very different. And my mentor there was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. She was everything I needed in a mentor and more. Um, She was able to tell me things I didn't even know I needed to know. (laughs) And she was amazing and really has shaped probably like 80% of who I am as a teacher now. I miss them. Was, For sure. I was going to say shout them. out. They know who they are. Um, talk to them often. Love them dearly. So something else I wrote down on 
some notes I wanted to share about things we wish we knew was that the kids may pretend they don't want to be back at school those first few weeks because they're sad summer's over. But guess what? They're excited to see their friends and they're excited to socialize. So you need to build on that. Play Uno with them. And if you have like free homeroom time, build that rapport. And like I always showed pictures of my dog because they love dogs. And I loved my dog too. And I just built a relationship, got to know them more and started some better conversations. Along with that, if you're in elementary school, they might be so excited to be back at school that they're having trouble kind of containing themselves in some ways. <laughs> Very um, true. So there's a bit of a difference there. They might have trouble not talking to each other. They might have trouble um, where they're so excited to be there, but they're also exhausted because they're getting used to the new sleep schedule um, that they're on and everything. But there's kind of a flip to that. They they might be super, super excited and you might have to find ways to build on that excitement while also teaching them how to regulate and calm down. <laughs> that is accurate. So Kimmy, before we wrap up today, we just want to say if you ever have tips or tricks that worked for you that you want to share to uh, to others, to our audience, you can always send them to us on our Instagram, which is ChalkTalkEDU, or in our email, which is in our show notes that you can always click. At the end of every episode, we are going to read a note or suggestion from someone who has sent in because this is our first episode. We solicited from an array of friends about what <laughs> what do you want to know? What can we help you with with getting ready for the year? And we had someone send in a question and they said, hey there, I'm in transition from a general ed job to a special education job this fall and I'm getting a little nervous. Do you have any recommendations for me to read or get ready to prepare myself for the upcoming year. So we made a lot of recommendations. We'll try <laughs> to run through them for you. Kimmy, do you want to start us off? Sure. So I would definitely say that depending on how long it's been um, since you were a special ed teacher, I would take time for sure to reacclimate yourself with special ed procedures, knowing your dates, um, knowing things that you can and cannot miss, how you can be flexible and things, a lot of special ed can't be flexible. And you really need to be, you know, rigid on a lot of those things. So definitely take your time to reacclimate yourself to that. Oh, I really like that. Um, something that I thought about when you're starting really fresh again, sometimes if you, especially if you change grade levels or even buildings, you might need more books for your library. And as we know, classroom libraries are mm -hmm. incredibly expensive to get started. So don't feel bad or feel like you're asking for pity if you reach out on Facebook or to family members asking for like board games to donate for your classroom or books or anything I always said yes to everything and then I figured out what I had because when you have indoor recess or even outdoor recess anything you can make board games work even when you're teaching academics so don't be afraid to ask for help and ask for those donations I would also say um as you're coming in you're gonna have to prep a lot and there's going to be a lot that you need to do. Don't be afraid to look up at places like Teachers Pay Teachers or other things. And all those websites. All of the websites. Because you don't want to sit there reinventing the wheel. If Work there's stuff smarter, out, not yeah, harder. <laughs> you have so much to do. If there's stuff out there, use it. Look at it. Make sure that it's appropriate. Make sure it makes sense. Adapt it. Adapt it as needed. But use it because it's out there for a reason. And that's, you know, teachers share. That's what we do. Take advantage of that. I also think it's important you can ask others in your building or the previous teacher if they um, are still there and you have contact with them. A lot of times they can share resources with you that they had, like 
books and games and lesson plans that they've used. And on top of that, I think we want to end with making sure that you take like the week before summer ends to yourself. Because starting the school year, no matter who you are as a brand new teacher moving to a new grade or just a seasoned teacher, making sure you take that time to decompress before that first day of school when all the kids (laughs) come back either virtually or in person and they're ear to ear smiling or unhappy that they're there. Whichever way, it can be a lot to deal with and you need to make sure you're ready mentally so that you can help the children. Along with that, try not to plan anything that first weekend. Try to give yourself some time um, at least that Friday night and Saturday. You're going to be exhausted. Kids are going to be exhausted. I tell my families this all the time. Um, Don't expect anything from the kids. And then I tell myself, don't expect anything from me because (laughs) I'm going to be dead tired and I'm going to need to spend that time relaxing. I agree with you. And we have been recording this episode for quite a while. So I plan on relaxing the rest of the night after we finish. Before we leave, uh, please make sure that you subscribe rate and review our podcast, recommend it to a friend, a teacher, BFF, or a future teacher in college. And if you want to send us questions to be featured on our podcast or send us any recommendations, tips, or tricks, you can direct message them to us on Instagram. Our handle is chalktalkedu or send it to our email, chalktalkedupodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us this week and we will upload again soon. Thanks. See you then.